Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello, very good morning to you. Alex Cook, you all right? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. We went to the gym again last night and you got very, very sweaty again, didn't you? <laughs> I did. It was our post-match debrief. We're trying to be, do sort of like the alternative. The breakfast <laughs> show likes to go for a post-match debrief into a pub somewhere. You and I were going to the gym. We're trying to get fit for the new season. But when I woke up this morning and said you had an early morning session to do before we came in today, you weren't up for it, were you? Well, no, but the main uh, reason was that we got rudely awakened at, what, three o'clock this morning by the fire alarm at the hotel yeah, going off? Did, yeah. And, you know, that just <laughs> totally disrupted me. It went on for about three minutes and that's ruined your day, hasn't it? It's not the best start to the day. After a good evening, and of course you put it on social media as well, but you uh, you did my ironing for me. So. I did do your no, ironing for you. Very pleasant. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Forest Green Rovers because Hannah Dingley's uh, appointment as the only female manager in England's top four leagues, her reign is over. Earlier, myself and Alex Crook spoke to the Daily Telegraph's Northern Football correspondent, Luke Edwards, who's in Brisbane with the Lionesses and covers women's football for the same publication. Luke suggested that the whole appointment of Dingley as the caretaker manager smacked of a PR stunt at the time of her unveiling. And I asked him why he thought that. It's a misstep, really. And there's a lot that Dale Vince does that I admire. Um, and I think he's, Forrest Green have had a reputation for probably being the, one of the most progressive thinking football clubs in the country on and off the pitch. And that's all well and good. But what I said a couple of weeks ago when this happened, that they were making a big song and dance, a lot of fanfare and a lot of self-congratulatory words about appointing the first female manager in, in men's football. But it always was a caretaker manager. That was my point. It was always an interim manager. Um, and it just felt like they were looking for the publicity for the football club and, and, and using Hannah in a way to, to publicise the club. obviously just recently been relegated. Um, and it just all seemed a little bit over the top at the time, as I said, for an interim manager. Now, Hannah Dingley is a trailblazer in her own right. She's, um, she's already head of the Forest Green Academy and has been for four years. She didn't need to be shoved into the spotlight like this to prove what a, what, a, what a clever and astute and, and capable woman she is and, and has been working in the men's game for some time. But I just think this was using her a little bit to put Forest Green Rovers' reputation and promote themselves. And I think the press release started on congratulating 
Forest Green Rovers rather than Hannah Dingley for getting the job. So it seems to be more about what they were doing than, than what Hannah would be doing. Is there not a case to suggest that Forest Green acted with maybe the best of intentions but failed to communicate it properly and, and probably should have just told us right at the very beginning she was never really in the running for the top job? I think that would have been more sensible because I think the way it was initially sort of hit and the media got hold of it, was we were saying things like what people were saying, this is a huge moment for, for the game in this country. But it was more of a, a small step forward. I think that would be how I described it. And it, it still was a notable moment. But I think they just made far too much of it at the time. And I know he complained about my article and me calling it a PR stunt. But I think when you, when you, you know, she hasn't really been given a chance to show that she could manage the team. I think at her unveiling press conference, it became pretty clear that she, she didn't really think she would be managing the team long term. So effectively what we had was a woman being put in charge of, of pre-season training. And that's still, you know, it's still noteworthy. I just think they went way over the top of it. And I think it was more about attracting publicity for Forest Green Rovers than, than Hannah Dingley. Because people defending Dalvins would say that it's not unusual for, in, for academy managers to step up as interim managers if a first team manager departs. But Dalvins is more intelligent than that, isn't he? He would have known the media circus that this would have created by doing the unveiling press conference, by doing the shirt picture. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's all it was for me. I think you have to be careful about over-egging the pudding, as it were, as one of a phrase my gran used to, used to enjoy. Um, and I think that's what they did. They, they whipped up this media frenzy. And I think it was quite cold and I think it was quite calculating in a way. And I think that's what stuck in my throat about it at the time. And it doesn't take, give me any pleasure to be proven right. I mean, I took a, lot of, a hell of a lot of abuse on social media. As you know, I cover women's football. I'm away with the Lionesses at the moment in, in Brisbane um, and the sort of names I was called by people who seemed to miss the point of what I was saying. Yes, it was a step forward, but let's pause on the self-congratulations and hollering and whooping and shouting it from the rooftops because it was only an interim manager appointment. And it doesn't seem to me that Hannah has actually been seriously considered for the job given the speed with which a, a permanent manager has been appointed. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the next question is, 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 is how will it affect the way that people see the next appointment of a woman in the man's game? Well, it can go one of two ways, that, Connie. You know, a, a, a chink in the wall has been made, we could say that. You know, their, their handshake was still the first interim manager appointment. So it is it is a small step forward in that respect. And I hope, you know, that, that eventually we, we do see more women coaches um, in the men's game. I really I think that will probably happen inevitably as time passes by. But my, I think, you know, people will be cynical now if other clubs try and do that. And I just think it was a misstep. I think maybe the intentions were good, but I just think there was it was turned into a media circus. And that is what I always feared happening. And then sure enough, you know, less than two weeks later, she's back in her academy job. And that shouldn't detract from Hannah Dingley. She's, she's a brilliant woman. She's very, very capable. She was interim manager for a reason. There's nothing wrong with the qualifications for being her interim manager. But that's a big, big difference for someone being given the job on a permanent basis. And how do you think she'll be feeling this morning? Because it looked at times that even she was a little bit uncomfortable with all the attention that the appointment got. Will she regret accepting well, the role now that it's over so quickly? I can't, I can't speak for her. I, I suspect she always knew it was only a temporary appointment. I, I would have thought that was communicated to her. She sounded pretty unsure, even, you know, when she was doing the first round of media interviews, that she, that she was under consideration for the permanent job. I suspect she's very happy in, uh, uh, ahead of the, you know, the academy side of things at Forest Green Rovers, and she's probably quite relieved to, to return 
out of the spotlight. Uh, the broader side of this is that uh, when you look back over the course of the last few years, you've got Duncan Ferguson unveiled as a manager on a five-year contract in January, uh, eating a vegan pie and saying he's going to try a vegan diet, rainwater feeding the urinals, the world's greenest football club, Eco Park, which was supposed to be the new stadium, the 13-day reign of a female manager. It begs the question, actually, is Forest Green Rovers a football club or is it a vehicle for Dale Vince to get his messages out? I think it's a really key point and you have to look at the type of character that Dal Vince is. Uh, this is somebody who openly admits that he's funded some of the stop oil protests, that he's happy for those people to disrupt sporting events, even though he runs a football club. And I think the key thing that Luke said there... Uh, was that you know, Hannah probably would have known all along that this was only a very short-term appointment. But that certainly wasn't conveyed to us in the media. It's a very unusual situation that you hold a press conference for an interim manager. It's even more unusual that you have a situation whereby an interim manager, someone who's only there to hold the fort, would pose with the kit, with the chairman... He knows exactly what he's doing. He knew it was going to whip up a publicity storm. And I feel sorry that Hannah has been caught in the crossfire of this. And I hope that she's able now to go back and resume her career. I don't think she deserved to be put in that situation. I think if you're going to name a female as a caretaker manager, a first in in, in the men's game in this country, especially someone as media savvy as Dale Vinch, you know the headlines that you are going to generate. So it is incumbent on you to take care with how you handle that appointment because this could have been a moment of inspiration a step forward and it is maybe a slight step forward as Luke has been saying it could equally be a step backwards now I don't know whether that's the case and whether it's down to bad communication or opportunism but the key thing here is I hope it doesn't harm Hannah's career and we should point out as well we have asked Dal Vince to come on this program we know that Gabby O'Bonlahor on breakfast has been very outspoken he's declined that invitation I wonder why. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Earlier this morning, we spoke to the Wolves goalkeeper. Daniel Bentley joined us uh, a little bit earlier today. The 30-year-old played two of the last three games at the end of the season. And rumours circulating about the current number one, Jose Sarr's future. It could be that he becomes more of a permanent fixture in Julian Lopetegui's side for the upcoming campaign. I started off by asking Daniel, how he felt about his chances of being a Premier League number one. That's the reason why I'm here. Uh, that's the reason I do what I do every day. Um, and the hard work that goes in is is to, to get in the team and, and play every week. I've been fortunate enough throughout my career, which is through a lot of hard work, that I've been a number one at every club I've been at. And at no point did I um, ever dismiss the fact that I wanted to be a number one when I joined Wolves. So my aspirations certainly are to come in and play. In terms of pre-season, it's in, obviously in full swing. I'm certainly not a, a huge fan of pre-season. I'm sure most uh, most footballers will, will, will uh, tend to agree. I can't wait for the real and the serious stuff to start. Um, I think that's the, they're the situations and the, the moments that I thrive off. Um, so I'll use pre-season exactly for what it is, get myself prepared for the season. And obviously it's up to me to, to prove that I'm, I'm capable and worthy of being the number one at the football club. Dan, you've been patient. You've taken the long road to the top in many ways, starting out at Southend and, and working your way up through the EFL. Do you look at Jason Steele at Brighton as a bit of an inspiration because he also had to wait a long time to get his chance in the Premier League and now has established himself as Brighton's first choice? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a inspiring story. I think you look at him and myself in terms of the fact that we've had long EFL careers, if you like, um, and accumulated a, 
a great number of games and it doesn't often end in 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 the romantic story of playing in the Premier League after one EFL season or one championship season or whatever the case may be or one loan from a, from a top club obviously like you said I work from um, South United in in League 2 um got promoted to League 1 played a season in League 1 I've played I think five or six and a half seasons I think six and a half seasons in the in the championship and finally made my Premier League debut last year which seemed a, a long time coming but I made reference last year that I don't think there's a, a one size fits all if you like with regards to routes to the Premier League as long as you know I, I achieved my goal of, of being there would I like to be there when I was 21 and have a 10-15 year career in the Premier League absolutely but I always strive to to play at this level. Obviously, like I said, I managed to achieve a, a lifelong dream last year. And now that just made me hungrier for more. And I, I want to play week in, week out and, and, and play as many games in the Premier League as possible. You wouldn't want to rob yourself of that experience uh, against Wickham in the playoff final where you made those penalty saves, though, would you? That was that was one to remember. <laughs> what, yeah, I think I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one for the memory books for me, for sure. Um, what, what's Julian Lepetegui uh, like to work under? Because he appeared to make a real difference after his arrival. He's he's a man that knows what he wants for sure. He's very demanding of us in training and in, and in games, of course. Uh, he's he's got a certain style of play which obviously expects us to to follow. But he also allows us to to lead ourselves in ways as well. I mean, off the off the pitch, we a lot of the senior boys, myself included, are we we police the change of room and, and things like that, which is. You know, that's that's a responsibility of the players. Obviously, the, the manager has the final say, of course, but um, he gives us a certain degree of responsibility and accountability, which I think is is key. But in terms of, of working working under him is, like I say, he's, he's someone that he knows what he wants. He's very, very passionate. Um, he has very, very clear ideas and he translates those ideas to us on a daily basis. So it's uh, it's been it's been a great experience working under him so far. You reminded us of the departure of Ruben Nevers in the summer. How do you feel a hole that he's left behind? Ruben was a fantastic player. My first training session at Wolves, all I remember was Ruben Nevers being absolutely unbelievable. I think I come away and spoke to a couple of friends and family, and they were like, "Oh, you know, who's who's the best player? What was it like playing with Diego and uh, Adama and, and, and all these players?" Well, one of the first things I remember saying was. Ruben was just out of this world. The way he trained, specifically that session, especially obviously being my first one, he was, yeah, he saw things that I, that I don't think anybody else saw. And obviously his vision was was fantastic. And he was, uh, he could pull strings on a football pitch and a, and a great gentleman to boot off the pitch as well. So yeah, obviously he's left a void, but I'm sure that gives an opportunity for other players to step up. Um, and I'm sure they will do that. It's been a busy summer so far in terms of departures. You lost Collins as well. You mentioned Traore has left. It does leave the squad looking a little bit light from the outside looking in. How important is it to get some new faces into the building as quickly as possible before the Premier League season starts? Yeah, well, I think the club will obviously do their due diligence on who they believe is the right fit for the football club. Um, and that's as as players and people. Um, I think it's it was always made clear to me when I was when I was joining the football club that the club want the right players, of course, but they also want the right people and they want to recruit people and players that will add to the dressing room as well as on the pitch. In terms of, like we made reference to with the fines and, and the system that we've got in place with, with the leadership group, 
we obviously want people to to have the same ethos as everybody else and the same standards on and off the pitch. So the club will, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fully in trust with the club that they will make the, the correct decisions based on, on who they see fit with the, the hierarchy at this football club who have always made, seem to have made shrewd decisions. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's been a fascinating summer where so much of the discussion has been about FFP and Saudi Arabia and the possibility of going over and earning a huge amount of money in that particular league. Are those subjects widely discussed in Premier League dressing rooms? Do, do you get into discussions about that, about how that affects football as a whole? I mean, it's a topic, isn't it, in, in conversation. Um, but I wouldn't suggest it's any more than that. It's it's not something that's kind of actively spoken about on a on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, when there's relevance in, in subjects, obviously they'll get spoken about. And that's kind of on a, on a wide variety of subjects, I guess. Obviously, we are all... Uh, we're all football people. So, you know, whatever the kind of current um, trend is, if you like, with obviously uh, a lot of people heading towards Saudi and, and, and the clubs that are over there, yeah, it, it gets spoken about not in a deep way, if you like. It's more of a kind of ob- ob- observational way of, you know, it's there, there seems to be a trend and it, it's just quite fascinating, really, because it's obviously come out of slight obscurity, if you like. Obviously, I'd probably say... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo started it and there's been a, a, a probably a pattern or a trend ever since with um, there, there obviously being a, a certain pull for, for players to go over there and apply their trade and, and experience something slightly different. Dan, just a final one. The role of a, a modern-day goalkeeper seems so different now to even 10 years ago. Manchester United have just signed Andre Anana because Eric Ten Hag wants a goalkeeper comfortable playing out from the back, starting attacks. Have you had to adapt your game? as a result of that, the way that managers are so more demanding of their goalkeepers now in terms of having the ball at their feet? Certainly from my days back at Southend uh, uh, in League <laughs> 2, where I was shelling the ball to Barry Corr as, as, many, as many times as possible for, for a game uh, and playing off second balls. Obviously, I've, I've had the education of, of that in League 2 and, and not playing too much. And then I was thrown in the deep end a little bit, if you like, from, from that experience to going to, to Brentford, who were... All out of football and, and building up from the back was was absolutely imperative uh, to the style of play that we had under Dean Smith and then obviously Thomas Thomas Frank took over. So I've experienced that. I've I've been involved in that. Obviously, I know how it works. I'm, I'm very studious of the game in terms of you know you see Edison, you see Onana. Obviously, that it was very much made reference to in in uh, in the Champions League this year that. Um, he was playing as a bit of a, uh, a CDM or, or a quarterback, if you will. So I, I've it's something that I feel I can work on and still improve absolutely because it's it's changing and adapting. And the manager has got his his ideas of, especially being a previous goalkeeper, of of what he expects from me and what he wants from me and, and the rest of the goalkeepers here. So it's definitely something that I can and will improve and something that I've been working on. But yeah, it's definitely obviously adapted over the years in terms of a very, very large proportion now, probably over two thirds of goalkeeping now is is with the ball at our feet. So obviously we need to be well equipped in in, in that department to be able to, to cope with the, the modern day demands that uh, football brings. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Talk sports, Sam Manaface and Alex Crook with the former super middleweight world champion Carl Frotch who's with us and we were talking a little bit about the heavyweight division and we mentioned and there's some other stuff I want to get into with you but let's talk about Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou what do you how do you feel about this this sort of new breed of boxing where we have crossover fights we've got YouTuber fights people taking maybe some of the uh, the sort of money that you would usually generate in the boxing arena almost out of the game in a sense you know it's going there's some of it a portion of it will be going to Francis Ngannou those YouTuber fights are very much a social media activity and those people making a lot of money out of those fights how do you feel about it? Well I can't change what my first opinion was and my first reaction um, which I mentioned on my YouTube channel Froch on Fighting have a look at that but um, it's basically not good for the sport I think it's a load of rubbish and um, I think that as a heavyweight world champion you have an obligation and a duty to You've got, you've got a duty to the service of the sport of boxing. He, he's the heavyweight champ. He's the best heavyweight in the world. Um, Frank Warren went absolutely crazy at Adam Catterall for suggesting the same thing I on saw Saturday it. night. Yeah, I sat and watched it, and I just think that Frank Warren is just like... He's like a... I don't know, what is he like? Is he a miserable old man? Has he got a bee in his bonnet? I don't know what it is. He's very defensive over over everything he talks about now, and he's got a lot to say, and he's been quite verbally... He's been quite lu- lucratively outspoken at times. I he think, looked like he was just trying to keep his fighter active and make as much money as possible for well, him. Well, that is what he's doing. He's, he's keeping him active and making as much money. Brilliant, but he should be concentrating on the real boxing fights. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Muhammad Ali had a had a wrestling fought a wrestler, but at the, at the end of his career, but he'd already fought Fraser and and everybody else who was who was lined up for him and all the all the big hitters in the division. He'd done it. He'd had his career, and then he he had a bit of a. I don't know, a testimonial fight or a bit of a joke shop fight, whatever you want to call it. It's not a boxing match. It's an exhibitional, entertaining type of fight. It's almost like, what was it, Rocky? I watched Rocky with my kids the other day. So Rocky three, he fought Thunderlips, didn't he? Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Yeah. He fought the wrestler, um, Hulk Hogan. That's what this is. It's a joke. And he's not in the joke business. He's, he's the WBC heavyweight champion, and he needs to be fighting and defending that title, as far as I'm concerned. I understand he's making money. If I'm a world champion at this stage of his career, he's 35, he's getting getting on. Hmm. And he's, it's all about the money for him. Um, so, yes, I can understand why he's doing it, and I get it. And I'm not going to say I wouldn't do it, because I would. I, if I'm being offered whatever it is, is it 50 million? Silly money. He's a prize fighter. He's boxing to get paid. He's not boxing to get punched in the nose and not get paid. He's not risking his life for a small amount of money when he can not risk his life for a massive amount of money. I get that. But as a WBC World Everweight Champion, he's got an obligation to um, do better than fighting Ngannou, I think. 
Does he cheapen himself by taking in this fight as well? I don't know if he cheapens himself. Maybe people look at that and think it's a bit of a joke, but he's crossed over to a whole new audience, hasn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't it? want to take a proper fight at this stage because he wants to make sure that he's in reasonable shape for when he goes to Saudi Arabia and makes a hell of a lot of money, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that well, what it's all about, really? Yeah, I suppose, listen, it's prize fighting and it is all about the money. But but this fight against Ngano, who's making his professional debut, mm. let's be honest, he, he shouldn't have a chance, not even a puncher's chance. We saw what happened with Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Yeah. It was a mismatch. Uh, Mayweather was was holding him up, taking his time, making a show of it because Mayweather's I, I, I spent the whole week doing all the press conferences, and, and including hosting the one at Wembley, then watched the fight. It was, it was, was you one of the ones that got fooled and thought, actually, McGregor might have a chance? Because I'll be honest, um... I was. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to point my finger. I actually <laughs> thought McGregor might actually have because he can fight he's, yeah. you know, he's a great cage fighter proper tough nut like to and, and Mayweather was towards the end of his career end of his career time. and you think there's pressure maybe, on it but he can box could he it just shows you just shows you you cannot box it was, it was a complete mismatch complete it was, which is what this will be with Tyson Fury and Garner and he was just waiting he, get, he, he allowed him to stay in the fight for a lot longer than he needed to really didn't he and that will happen again won't I think it? it was around 7 or 8 it was I think yeah. for some reason I <laughs> 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 don't think why you've been in the news recently haven't you because Joe Calzaghi's former promoter we mentioned him just a moment ago Frank Warren accused you of ducking the fight against the Welshman can you set the record straight? That's just slander on my name. I'm a guy who, who's got a reputation for fighting anyone, anybody in the division. I've fought the best of the best. I fought for Joe Calzaghe's title when he waited until the final hour on the last day to vacate. Um, so for Frank Warren to, to sit in his studio with a straight face or wherever he was and say that I went down to London and all I was interested in was when Joe Calzaghe, when Joe Calzaghe stepping up to light heavyweight is pure nonsense, absolute rubbish. And I'm surprised that somebody of his stature, of his age, who's been promoting the boxing game for so many years, would come out with just pure lies. Because I did go down to London, I did speak to Frank Warren, and the first thing he said to me when I said, when can this fight happen with me and Calzaghe? The first thing he said was, he's stepping up to light heavyweight, so forget about it. To which I was completely deflated, because I drove all the way down from London in my diesel escort, um, <laughs> I had to fill up myself because at the time I was skint and um, drove back disappointed because he was stepping up to light everyweight and he did. He vacated the title and I mm. fought an unbeaten hungry young lion in Jean Pascal for the vacant WBC title, won it and had a fantastic Hall of Fame career. The rest is history. So, yeah, disappointed with Frank Warren's um, nonsense um, because that just didn't happen. I did go down to London to speak to him. I'm, I'm, I'm going full circle now. But he volunteered the information about Calzaghe moving up to light heavyweight and I was gutted. Um, that was it. Why else did I go to London? Why else did I smoke down the motorway and then come away empty-handed if it wasn't to go down there and try and make the fight with, with Frank Warren? There's a bit of needle between you and uh, Joe Calzaghe. Why, why no, you know what? There's no why? needle between me and Joe Calzaghe. Honestly, we'll have, a, we'll have a talk sport exclusive here because I've got so much respect for Joe Calzaghe and his career and I picked the best fighter of... I mean, between him and Lennox Lewis, who's the best British fighter in the last 20-odd years, and I had to pick Calzaghe just because he's had such a fantastic career. A real tough guy, fast hands, can take a punch. There's a few things I could say... Because you can always pull somebody's career down. He never rematched Robin Reed. That was a close fight. He, he rematched Mario V a couple of times. He fought Hopkins and, and Roy Jones when they were past the best late. But Hopkins did go on to win a couple of good fights after that fight. But Calzaghe had a great career. Super fit, really tough, determined, real special fighter. Unbeaten in 46 fights. I've got no beef with him. I was mandatory for his WBC belt. The super middleweight WBC green and gold belt. I was mandatory for that title. Which is why I went down to speak to Bricktop at the time. And um, he vacated the title. 
I fought for the vacant title. That's that's as far as I, it goes. If I'd have fought Joe Calzaghe, it would have gone one or two ways. He'd have either beat me on points or he'd have lost by stoppage or knockout. I would have backed myself to beat him. He would have backed himself to beat me on points because he ain't going to knock me out, no chance. So it would have been a great fight, but one of the great fights that never happened. But I've got no beef with Calzaghe. I've got nothing but respect for him. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.